And this is a podcast where we talk about music that stands the test of time, the albums and artists that have shaped and reshaped the sonic landscape, as well as covering new music from those artists. Liam, how you doing today, bud? I am good. You are catching me fresh off the dance floor um, <laughs> about 30 minutes ago. You're traveling. I was at a wedding. Yeah, yeah. I'm traveling for a wedding, and uh, yeah, man, it's been a while since I was uh, kind of boogieing at one of these things. So, <laughs> fun. so any any uh, any notable tunes that uh, that came? Yeah, <laughs> came I over mean, the, the yeah, in my. Yeah, in my demographic, it's uh, it's third eye blind, semi charm kind of life, no. and the whole place nice just goes nuts. <laughs> <laughs> the happiest song yeah. about drug addiction there ever was. Yeah, I kind of turned because it was uh, it wasn't like a DJ or a band. It was literally just like the bridegroom's family had put together a playlist, which is cool. Like it can work. Um, and I turned to the person that I knew who was setting it up, and I was like. Are we going to hear about panties and mattresses and stuff? Okay. Like, is this the full thing? And they're like, yeah, this isn't the radio edit. And I'm like, cool, your grandma's here. <laughs> whatever, that's fine. Well, it's it's better than, yeah. you know, WAP or whatever else you might hear. So. I mean, yeah. It could get, it could have yeah, been worse. Yeah. It could have been worse. Yeah. Um, but cool. How about you? Glad you had fun. Uh, just, you know, been yeah. working a lot. Had a, had a relaxing Saturday. Um didn't really uh, do too much. Um, I was uh, finally able to. Oh, I bought a new lawnmower. There's that. That's always. Ooh, like, nice. Yes, I got the I got the 40 volt battery powered Ryobi. An electric lawnmower. Yes. So. Uh, okay, you like I, it? I'm. I have never. Uh, this is going to sound like a commercial right now, and I promise we are not paid by any. Anybody, Please. but I have never had such a pleasurable lawn mowing experience in my life. <laughs> wow. So I got to tell you, so my neighbor across the street from me showed up with uh, a, an electric lawnmower. Um, and I'm definitely the guy who goes out there every week or two, um, kicks my thing up. I've had the same lawnmower for four or five years and, uh, and I do it myself. I actually mowed my neighbor's yard this week because it had been like, he's an older dude. I don't even know if he's there anymore, honestly. And he, uh, oh, that's nice of you. it was like four or five, it was like four or five weeks since it'd been mowed. And I was like, all right, I got, I got to do something here. Um, but I've seen him out there with his electric thing and I'm getting a little jealous and I'm, <laughs> but I, I keep kind of saying to myself, like, there's no way an electric lawnmower is actually good. But if you're telling me it's good, I might need to look into this. So I, I was honestly impressed because uh, a couple of times I had I had borrowed my brother's um, plug-in mm-hmm. electric lawnmower, and I was honestly surprised at how difficult it was to mow some heavy, 
you know, tall areas. Oh. It would get bogged down. This one seems yeah. to, instead of getting bogged down, uh, when it hits a heavy patch, it actually seems to give itself a boost of power. So mm-hmm. it's, um, I haven't had any problems whatsoever. So that's, uh, I've used it nice. twice okay. now. So, cause I've got, I've got, for some reason I've got one patch of grass that grows like three times faster than the rest of the yard. So it's like that, it that happens, one little yeah. patch I have to get, you know, more, more frequently. And so I've done the whole yard once and that little patch, a second time and man it's just it's been it's been uh amazing you know number one not having to deal with the uh extension cord and move that mm-hmm. around the yard and worry about you know running over that and you know well what's it snagged on and all that stuff so um yeah or you know dealing with a gas powered lawnmower so oil and yeah yeah so yeah. Um, actually this, this ties into things nicely though. I would like to know. Um, so when I was mowing the lawns this past week, um, I was listening to a little Wu Tang. Nice. And part of that is because I had been listening to, I'd been on a bit of a kick and I had been listening in my car. And while I am in favor of not censoring my daughter's music experience too much. Like I'm, I'm open to her hearing more than maybe most parents would. I like that came on and for like 10 seconds I was okay with it. And I was like, yeah, no, there's not. Yeah. I can't keep this on at all. Yeah. So, so, and I was driving my kid around a bunch this past week. So I was like, this will be my lawnmower music. Yeah. Um, so I wonder, do you, do you have lawnmower music or do you do podcasts? What do you listen to? No, I definitely try to, um, I, I put on aggressive music when I'm mowing the lawn. Um, oh, number one, okay. it, you know, it's louder. So it kind of overpowers the sure. sound of the motor but also you know mm-hmm. it's not necessarily i mean don't get me wrong it was fun to get out there and use the new battery powered one but it's not typically the the most engaging or fun chore so having having sure. that kind of uh music that would get your heart rate going that that actually helps quite a bit it's like you know you put on workout music you know the music that'll get you pumped up Mm -hmm. that you want to move around so i'll listen to you know rage against the machine or at the drive-in or something more aggressive um to uh you know get get it done quicker (laughs) um but yeah so this this week it was um which we'll talk about a little bit but this week it well it started out as at the drive-in and I, I put on um, Relationship of Command, and then I was like, oh, you know what? I haven't gone down, <laughs> the, you know what rabbit hole I haven't gone down recently is the Mars Volta. So mm-hmm. that that threw me down that rabbit hole, as I will tend to revisit every, usually once a year or so, maybe twice. Um, I'll go down that rabbit hole. So that's that's how it that started. Um that, that's okay, how that so rabbit you were hole started Volta, this year. You, you, yes. So this right now, you were getting deloused in the comatorium while you were uh, you were mowing your lawn. Absolutely. Cool. Yep. That's nice. that's how it happened. So it was a good experience. Yeah, I said like that. Th- there's a couple. I mean, there's a few album Mars Volta albums that I think are great. I loved Francis the Mute. Obviously, deloused is great. Um, and Bedlam and Goliath. I remember listening to the third Mars Volta album, and it wasn't my speed for whatever reason. Um, it just didn't connect with me. And then the fourth album, 
I, I, that was almost a cover to cover thing for me, which I, I remember being surprised about. I was like, wow, I really still like this band a lot. That's yeah, pretty crazy. Um, yeah, you, fantastic. I, I kind of, I, I do wish that they were still doing stuff together. Yeah, I agree. I'm not sure, you know, what happened there. Um, but maybe we'll see a reunion at some point soon. Um, but so on that note, what else have you been listening to? And did you buy anything recently? Yeah. So I haven't bought much of anything, um, uh, on our drive. So we had a pretty long drive to get up to this very rural area for the wedding. Um, and my dad's a, a classical, he trained like, uh, acoustic guitar player. Mm-hmm. And so there's this, there's this musician that I really like. I found a few years ago, um, William Tyler, um, instrumental albums, but like, there's just something special about it. It's got a little Nick Drake kind of vibe to it. Oh, nice. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's acoustic playing, but there's some orchestration to it. So, um, so I threw that on and then we were listening to a bunch of Huey Lewis cause Huey Lewis is the man. Nice. Yes. Um, <laughs> but one thing that I was definitely listening to is, uh, okay. Computer, like we discussed right. last time. So at some and point, I, I gotta <laughs> say, man, <laughs> we gotta talk about how yeah, that went. I, it went really well. So just a refresher. So I was a long you know, hour and a half drive solo at night after a work event. And, um, it, I, that album's fantastic. (laughs) That album, (laughs) it definitely, it definitely hit me a lot better than, um, I, I, look, I know that I've listened to that album a few times. Um, I, I think having that conversation, having some points kind of stuck out to me, but also, like going back to the bends and giving myself a refresher and taking it there. I really think that kid a derailed me, man. And, and like, I don't know. Now I have to see if I can get into the kid a, uh, amnesiac kind of era of things. Cause I'm, I haven't ventured there yet. I've went, I've gone back and I've listened, I listened to okay. Computer cover Mm -hmm. to cover on that drive. Um, and then I went back to a bunch of songs on it here or there. And it's, it's, it's fantastic. Um, I just, I don't know if I'm, I feel like I need to spend more time with it. Kind of like you would have, if you were a fan in the time, um, before I'm ready for kid a to sink into me. I don't think I'm ready for that. Yet. Yeah. It's hard. And honestly, um, look, there was a lot of people that kind of lost interest once kid a came out, it was kind of a divisive album mm-hmm. and you know, yeah. those of us that were big fans of OK Computer, we had three or four years to digest that album yeah. and, you know, yeah. pour over every note and every syllable uh, before, you know, the anticipation and the buildup and the eventual release of Kid A. So, you know, it's it's hard yeah. to replicate that 20 years later. Um, so I totally don't blame you, particularly with an album like Kid A. Uh, if you just can't end up getting, getting into it, if you have to skip forward a little bit to, uh, to in rainbows, that's, that's totally fine. You can still be a Radiohead fan. I still consider myself a Weezer fan and I only like two albums. So you know what I mean? You can (laughs) not to go there, but yeah, fair enough. Uh, you can totally still be a Radiohead fan. 
Um, um, but speaking of Radiohead, I feel like you've got something cooking over there too, right? Yeah. So little did I know when we mm-hmm. recorded our uh, last episode where I did my best to expand your mind on Radiohead right. um, that the day that the episode dropped would be the day that <laughs> they announced the Kid A Amnesia um, release, uh, which will be forthcoming, um, a triple album set um, with uh, half speed uh, vinyl masters of both right. Kid A and Amnesiac and a third album of uh i guess you know unreleased material um reworked recordings and things like that so that'll be really interesting to uh to hear so i got my pre-order in for that um really excited to see that i i did contemplate but ended up deciding not to spring for the 120 dollar you know deluxe art book You know what I mean? It's like uh, the cream colored yeah, vinyl would have been those. cool, but it's like, I don't, I'm not yeah. the kind of person, like they may be one of my favorite bands, but I'm not about to pay an extra 60 bucks for an art book that I might look at one time. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'll be happy yeah, with yeah, just the music itself. Um, nice. Um, so, uh, I did like, like I talked about last episode, um, I, I did my best, but I could not find the spoon album, a series of sneaks locally. I went to, mm-hmm. I went to all my locals and, you know, I called around a couple places that I don't even typically go to, but, um, no one had it physically. So I was like, all right, um, I'm only one album away. I'm just going to go ahead and order it. I ordered it from, a, a record shop in Brooklyn, actually, um, Norman's nice. sound and vision, I believe it's called. And then, um, cool. had a little bit of a scare because I ordered it, um, the day before the storm hit. Um, and there was all that mm. flooding in New York. And then mm-hmm. typically, you know, when I order something through discord, I'm sorry, discogs, when I order something discogs. through discogs, Um, I'll get usually like an immediate, you know, invoice and then an immediate response once I make the payment. But, um, I kind of had radio silence from them for like three days and I was like, Oh Mm. no, did their, did their store and inventory get flooded? Like what happened? Thankfully, you know, nothing happened. It was just a holiday weekend. Um, so it, it, it turned out to be fine, but, um, that, that kind of, Gave me a little bit of a scare, but a series of sneaks is on the way. And so that is going to be the final awesome. album, uh, at least up to this point until they release something else, um, for mm-hmm. spoon full length, uh, studio albums. So I'm excited to get that. That's on its way. Should get here. Um, by the time this airs, um, I had a, a pretty decent Goodwill score, um, it's very yeah, I saw a picture rare. Of it. Yeah. I posted it in the discord. It's very rare to find anything even halfway decent at any thrift shop, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I always check, um, for, uh, you know, speakers and, you know, sometimes you can find some, some halfway decent vintage hi-fi equipment. And sometimes I'll, you know, clean it up and resell it or what, or, uh, you know, save it, uh, or give it, yeah. to, give it to somebody else. 
Um, and I happened upon uh, a pretty decent size stack of vinyl, which is, you know, it's usually just maybe maybe a stack of couple dozen or so, but they had well over 200 LPs to, to look through. And, um, obviously, you know, you've, you've always got your Morbin Tabernacle choir and Anne Murray and, um, you sure. know, <laughs> all that kind of stuff, um, in, yeah. in droves, but I actually got some, uh, some decent stuff. They had Arlo Guthrie. I got Alice's restaurant in decent condition. Um, I got a Steve awesome. Martin album, John Denver, a couple of ventures albums, uh, Joni Mitchell, James Taylor, um, Joan, uh, uh, Joan Baez. Um, I also found the, um, Stanley Kubrick's clockwork orange soundtrack, which was kind of an interesting uh-huh. find. Um, that'll be, that'll be fun to, to dive in and listen to. Um, Mm -hmm. and then I got, um, also found a Disney, uh, Christmas album. I, I, we kind of have a, a Disney collection going, uh, my kids and I, she, she actually picked up sleeping beauty recently. And, um, so I was, I was glad to find some, some official Disney vinyl as well. Uh, I think this one, I think this release is from the, the eighties or late seventies. I'll have to double check. Uh, I haven't brought it in and cleaned it up yet, but yeah, had a decent haul. I also found, um, uh, a turntable, um, as if I need another one, but you know, for 10 bucks, Mm. you know, (laughs) I would be remiss if I didn't, um, you know, give it a good home. Um, I found a pioneer PL 600, um, you know, needs a new belt and probably needs a new stylus, but you know, for 20 or 30 bucks, Um, I can fix that up and either give it to somebody to, to get them started on, on their journey down this path or, uh, you know, have it as Mm. a, as a garage setup or something like that. So, um, that was fun. I was, you know, so always feels good to get some, uh, have some good finds at, at the thrift shop. Um, cool. Talked about Mars Volta. The other thing that I was listening to, I did, uh, give the Casey Musgraves album a listen. Mm, and I was, yeah. I, I went in, I'm a sucker for a breakup album and I went in expecting yeah. to have my heart ripped out and stomped on. It's not a bad album. Mm-hmm. It's just probably not quite what I was expecting. Uh, it didn't sure. really yeah. rip my heart out and stomp on it. There's some, there's some good tunes on it. It was a lot. I think it was a lot more pop than I was expecting, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. It just wasn't quite what I was, what I thought I was getting into. I was, I was expecting kind of more of a heartbreaking country album, um, you know, full of scorned Southern woman, uh, fervor. And I, I didn't really get that. Uh, it's not a bad album and I'm definitely not disparaging it. It just was not what I, for some reason, came into it expecting. Um, it's a good album, yeah, if you though. go into it thinking, yeah, if you go into it thinking that you're going to get the flip side, basically, of Golden Hour, where you had that kind of yeah. optimistic and 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 instead this is very kind of reflective in an odd way, where it's like instead of it being a scorned album it's more so like 
what is life? What am I doing? What is this all for? It's, it's very, it's very much yeah, framed. It's in, like a quarter life crisis kind of album. A little bit. Yeah. And then yeah, again, sure. that's not a bad thing. And, and there are some great songs right. that I will definitely go back and listen to, but um, it's, it wasn't quite what I was expecting and it's not a front to cover a front to back um, listen for me from here on out. Um, but she's got yeah. a, she's got a great voice and, and she's, you know, one of the, um, one of the few modern country artists that I pay attention to and, and enjoy. Uh, yeah. all right. So we have a few, well, so you go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. A couple things. I, you, well, I was going to say you, you mentioned Christmas music, uh, yeah. and some of the stuff that you were digging through. Um, and we are getting close to that season and I think we'll know about some more stuff as we, as we get even closer. Always. Um, but I'm wondering if you have staples and, and it might be a good future episode for us to kind of dig in a bit more on, on some of the stuff. Cause I think that there are some standards. Um, but it's always interesting to me to see who's coming out this year, who is trying to kind of capitalize on that. I think of that, that like running, um, thread through the movie love actually where like you do have that every year who's competing for what the sound of the the holidays or the song of the holidays is going to be um and you had steve perry randomly from journey the guy who like disappeared for 20 somewhat years or whatever came out with a solo album a few years back and now has a christmas album apparently so i'm interested to see what that sounds like, yeah. That will be interesting. Um, and Rob, and Rob, Rob Thomas from Matchbox 20 has thrown his hat in the ring. Um, Why not? I like Matchbox 20. It could be interesting. Yeah, yeah. It seems right up the alley. And then it sounds like Train, who they've put out a Christmas album recently, a few years ago, but they like are shooting a Hallmark thing and they're going to add some songs oh to it. God. And I think like there's there's like that whole momentum of... Like you can put out a Christmas album and you can tour on it every year if you want to. And you can just add Jingle Bells the next year or something <laughs> like that, right? Sure. Uh, it's so crazy. Um, but it's a machine, man. And so I'm wondering, like I, we definitely, there's a there's a Bright Eyes Christmas album that always gets thrown on. And then you have the, uh, the Peanuts um, LP that gets yeah, thrown on, the Christmas holiday Peanuts one gets thrown on. Um, but I'm wondering if there's anything else that comes to mind in, in your household that you usually toss on. Yeah, definitely. There's, there's a a small handful that go through the rotation. Um, I think I talked about it on a prior episode, but there is a collection of songs, um, from Louis Armstrong and Ella Fitzgerald. And, um, Mm. some, some of them are duets and some of them are one or the other, but, um, it's a great collection um, I have that on CD, um, Vince Guaraldi, like you just mentioned, uh, yeah. there's, there's a Disney, uh, album that sees rotation. Um, it's, that's a little bit more like you play it once just for fun. And then, you know, it doesn't get repeat sure. plays necessarily. Um, right. we will also throw on the Burl Ives Christmas album, uh, that definitely okay. gets play. Uh, and that is pretty much it for regular Christmas albums. Sometimes I'll throw on Brian Setzer orchestra. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't own that album or, or I don't, I'm not sure if he has an actual full album out. 
Um, but yeah, I'll, he does. Okay. Yeah. Um, but you know, I'll, I'll make a playlist and, and, you know, throw in a bunch of Brian Setzer's if, especially if we're having a party, uh, or something like that, I'll, I'll have a whole bunch of that along with some other lively, you know, staples in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's about it for, for us. Um, yeah. Oh, I, there is one more that I forgot. There's, and I, and I did find it, uh, within the past couple years on vinyl, actually, when I was growing up, my mom would put on the Amy Grant Christmas album. She had the cassette. Nice. Amy's great. And, That's and great. we would listen yeah. to it every single Christmas. So that, that Fantastic. Christmas album is burned into my memory. And so I found it one day. I actually think I found it at a Goodwill as well, but this was, this was a few years back. So I have that mm. album on vinyl now and that, that gets played at least once or twice during the Christmas season, even just for nostalgia's sake, because that, that's that was playing every single Christmas throughout my childhood. So I, I have that on uh, at least once on Christmas Day. That's awesome. Yeah. And and I think that we can like I said, we can have another conversation as we get closer about TSO Mannheim steamroller. Yeah. Like that whole <laughs> air like the christmas machine just (laughs) so crazy yeah yeah um i did want to mention so since we last recorded there was uh an article that had come out saying and i think you had posted it in the discord about um phil collins oh likely not being able to play drums again and maybe not being able to tour again after this next genesis tour which has been kind of postponed because of COVID a few times and just like everything else is trying, they're trying to figure out how they're going to do this. But, um, they, I think his son is going to be playing on the, on the tour and, uh, and they, it seems like this will be the last quote unquote Genesis tour that might ever happen. Um, so it is weird to think that, and again, like it's morbid. We talked about it in the discord a little bit, but, um, not, not, not just losing artists, but, losing the opportunity to see Mick Fleetwood play the right. drums on, on a Fleetwood Mac thing, or like, or the fact that, you know, Lindsey Buckingham split with them. And so maybe you won't get to see Lindsey Buckingham play with Fleetwood Mac again. Um, uh, you're, we're, we're not only facing the mortality of these artists, like not existing or, right. or not being able to make music anymore, but like not even being able to perform the music that they were able to perform back in the day. Yeah. Um, that's almost that's more bummer, heartbreaking I mean, to me. <laughs> like if, you know what I mean? Yeah, if, it, if you pass yeah. away that that's tragic and sad, but you know, there's something that seems so torturous to me about an artist yeah. that literally, and, and I actually also was reading an interview, um, recently with, um, um, David Crosby, who is, going through similar issues where his health is mm-hmm. um, making it difficult, if not impossible for him to pick up a guitar and play. And that's as a, as a musician myself, I, that's something that I, I have a very difficult time wrapping my, my mind around that and how, how uh, disturbing that, that sounds to me. So uh, yeah. I'm, I'm glad that, Phil is able to get out there and, and, you know, still tour and, and sing, uh, with Genesis, but yeah, it's, it's gotta be rough as a drummer to, you know, not be able to be behind the kit and doing what you've done for most of your life. 
that that brought yeah, you so much sure. joy and success. You know what I mean? And it's like you can't physically do it anymore. It's it's uh, pretty heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing that I wanted to bring up um, is the the Mercury Prize was was awarded recently. Um, for those not familiar with it, because we do wind up getting into the the kind of Grammy U- U.S. centric. A lot of the the music that we consume is based here, but obviously mm-hmm. we've had so much influence and so many great artists from the U.K. And so their record industry, their like association of, of record dealers and whatnot, um, created this thing. And it was in, in an alternative to the Brit Awards. Um, yeah. But each year they they pick an album by an artist that. Um, that they will kind of spotlight. And so this year they, they picked Arlo Parks's album, um, which she's fantastic. It's a gorgeous album. Um, but some of the past winners like to put her in the pantheon. I mean, PJ Mm -hmm. Harvey's won this twice, Arctic monkeys, the XX alt J Portis head primal scream. Like the, the, this is a legit thing, um, or yeah. a legitimizing award for, um, for the British music community. Uh, and so it's, it's exciting. It's exciting to, um, to see a very young, I mean, this is her first album. It's pretty huge that it got as big as it did. Um, and I, I think I've talked about it a few times, but you do have this new, generation of singer songwriters mm-hmm. phoebe bridgers being the one that is easiest to point to um but arlo parks is right up there with these like new young voices who are so articulate and writing these beautifully crafted um challenging songs wow. um so definitely worth worth checking out some of her tunes for sure and and congrats to her for that yeah i've heard the name but i honestly have not heard her music at all yet so i'm excited to have something new to uh dive into yeah. for sure congrats to her um so we have a few yeah so we have a few things um that uh are in our music history stuff here right yeah and unfortunately uh this week is riddled with some tragic deaths. <laughs> and so we'll, yeah. we'll go through those. Um, but you know, first and foremost, um, on September 18th, 1970, um, was the day Jimi Hendrix was pronounced dead. Um, he was actually pronounced dead on arrival at the hospital, uh, in London, mm-hmm. age of 27, part of the 27 club, as we all know. Um, but then September 20th, we'll touch on one of those later. Yeah. Um, September 20th, uh, 1973, um, uh, Jim Croce, U S singer songwriter, uh, was killed along with five other people in a chartered airplane, um, that crashed mm-hmm. on takeoff. Um, and I, I love Jim Croce. Uh, I'll listen to it every, Same. every once in a while, but man, uh, I, that's one of those artists that I have a hard time. It's, it's an emotional roller coaster <laughs> listening to Jim Croce for sure. And this why is, is part, partly why. Really? Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's because, just because he died. That part of it, um, I don't know. It just maybe, I mean, time in a bottle, you just listen to the lyrics and it's really sad. You know what I mean? It's just kind of heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think that in combination yeah. with uh, his tragic death, um, I also uh, tend to associate him uh, with um, 
my my aunt uh, on my my mom's side, my mom's sister, who was kind of like a second mother mm. to me, and and she she passed when okay. I was thirteen. So it's that that's our fourteen. And she sang his songs, or um, yeah. it's just a lot of that. Um, Jim Croce, and and I have one of her Neil Young albums actually. So some some of those artists cool. and albums that I associate with her, I will still listen to them, but it's like, oh, it like it's 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 heartbreaking to, <laughs> to listen to. And yeah. sometimes yeah, that's it's, great. It's interesting. Sometimes it's cathartic, but yeah, it, it, it's interesting that you have, uh, cause I also have a, a family association with Jim Croce. So that's interesting that you and I, I mean, we've never talked about this no. before. I, um, so back in the day, I'm fairly large family, at least on my mom's side. And so on Thanksgivings, um, we would all get together and, by like the third or fourth hour, somebody would have busted out the keyboard and the guitars and everyone was singing songs. And I remember being very young mm-hmm. and hearing about 10 of my relatives sing Bad, Bad Leroy Brown. <laughs> I don't know why they picked that song to sing. It's such a weird song for a family to sing. It is kind of a weird like, song I remember for a family sing It is. <laughs> yeah. And especially because like the lyrics are kind of bizarre. <laughs> I remember it. There's, there's the line, Leroy looked like a jigsaw puzzle with a couple of pieces gone. But I remember <laughs> sitting there uh, playing my Game Boy as a kid, like on the couch, like tired of Thanksgiving and <laughs> hearing, hearing that song and being like, what is this? And what, <laughs> like, I have such a visceral memory of that song and my family's connection to it. And they sang it every year, dude. I don't know why. It's so <laughs> weird. Um, so yeah. So, so when I, when I saw this on the, on the notes, I was like, all right, well, I've got a family connection here for sure. And then it obviously in later years then discovered who he was and yeah. operator and some of the other great songs. But it's funny that you and I both kind of have a, uh, have like a deep rooted visceral feeling about his music. Yeah. It goes to show you. It's funny that they're kind of opposite ends of the spectrum too. They are. As yeah. far as the songs very much themselves. Are, yeah. That's a great song though. I would, yeah. I, I would love to have a family so sing fun. along with that song with my family. With bad, badly Roy Brown. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that'd be great. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, thank you for sharing that. That's amazing. Yeah, of course. Um, and then September 21st, 1987. Uh, and I actually, I actually, um, this is new information for me. I didn't know how he died, but Amer- American jazz bassist Jaco Pastorius died from injuries sustained in a fight. Um, I guess he was, oh, he was trying to enter a nightclub at, where he had been banned and got into oh a God. fight with the bouncer and he uh, ended up um, getting severely injured, fell into a coma, uh, was put on life mm-hmm. support and yeah, he, he died, um, from his injuries from that fight. Um, and then, uh, you know, if, if you don't know who he is, um, he was in the, uh, kind of progressive jazz band weather report, um, in 2006, oh, okay. he, yeah, he's, he was in weather report. And in 2006, Got he was it. voted the greatest bass player who ever lived by bass, uh, by the readers of bass guitar magazine. So he's, Oh, see, I thought, I thought that was sting. Okay. Cool. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh man. I'm, I'm laughing even harder than I normally would have at that because, um, uh, we're, we're watching, um, only murders in the building. Have you started watching that yet with mm, Steve Martin? No, and I want to, I heard, <laughs> I heard he's in that. Yeah. Well, well, it yeah. sting is in the show, uh, as himself. That's amazing. And it is hilarious. Oh, so <laughs> I laughed even harder than I normally would have that's at awesome. that joke. That's hilarious. Um, yeah, yeah, that's funny. But man, I definitely want to watch that show. I'm excited for it. Yes, it's fantastic. Um, all right. And just a, a handful of birthdays. Well, you, yeah, I mean, I got to say, you kind of set us up here for our B side nicely with three really tragic uh, yeah. music history notes here. And then we'll be talking about Jim Morrison. Yep. <laughs> like, yeah. All it's, right. a, it's a dark episode. What can I say? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. We didn't plan it. Yeah. And, and we're recording it on uh, September 11th. So it's, it's, yeah. it's a dark yeah, day. That's true. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But let's, let's celebrate some birthdays just to liven it up a little bit. Um, uh, sure. September 19th, 1952, um, American musician, producer, guitar player, Niall Rogers, um, who was the lead guitarist and co-founder of Chic. Uh, I've got a couple of Chic albums. Mm-hmm. Um, he, they had a number one single, Le Freak. Um, also produced Diana Ross, Sister Sledge, uh, David Bowie, a um, couple of his um uh, hits from the early eighties. Uh, and then, uh, obviously recently did work with, uh, Daft Punk on their random access memories album. Um, so happy birthday to Niall. Um, yeah. And, and his sample, I, again, I'm, I'm, I've been digging through this history of hip hop book. That's mm-hmm. just fantastic. And I'm a very sl- a slow reader, but like digging into rappers delight by the sugar Hill gang and it's iconic sample of, yep. Uh, good times by chic and how that was kind of an unprecedented thing because hip hop wasn't, and the sampling thing wasn't um, what it is now and what it has been, especially with EDM music, but in hip hop culture Mm -hmm. and how Niall was like, he was just such a cool guy about the whole thing. Like he could have been really annoyed that his song was being kind of repackaged and sampled and put out Mm -hmm. there and sold a bunch. Um, And yeah, that it's, what an important icon in, uh, yeah. in many genres of music for sure. And I, I feel like he, he's, a, he's enough of a visionary that he saw what was going on and saw the inevitability yeah. of that. And, for sure. um, I mean that, I mean, talk about Embraced rapper's it. delight. That was basically the, the birth of kind of modern hip hop as we know it. So, um, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, uh, is very influential in, in a number of different ways. Um, okay. Um, speaking of influential, September 21st, 1934, Leonard Cohen was born Canadian singer songwriter, uh, also a painter, poet, and a novelist, um, probably best known for writing, um, hallelujah, which has been covered mm-hmm. way too many times, Everyone. <laughs> but, yeah. but, um, you know, uh, I'll, I'll allow it for Jeff Buckley, but that's basically it. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah. also on September 21st and 1972, Liam Gallagher of Oasis. And then we have September a 22nd. Big front man. Yep. Uh, 1957, Nick Cave 
uh, of mm-hmm. Nick Haven, the Bad Seeds, Australian singer songwriter. Uh, and then one of my favorites, uh, September 22nd, 1958, Joan Jett, American rock guitar player, singer, songwriter, producer, founding member of the Runaways, and then uh, Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. So um, mm. I don't know. I'm, I'm a big I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of scary women. I enjoy it. I dig it, man. Yeah, <laughs> she's a badass. All right. So. We're about to flip it over to side B. And if, if you That's missed right. our last episode, um, we started a new segment entitled expand my mind. And we just thought it would be a good opportunity with the kind of, you know, long form conversation that, that we have on this podcast where um, mm-hmm. we can, we can really dive deep into some stuff to try to tackle artists that, we just either don't quite get, don't fully understand Mm -hmm. or maybe even flat out dislike. And so last episode, and I I don't know if you want to, uh, well, you talked about okay computer and your, your positive experience with that. So if if you want to expound on that, that's totally cool. Um, but in this episode, um, Liam is going to, uh, attempt to expand my mind when it, comes to the topic of the doors and Jim Morrison. Um, I, for whatever reason, simply, and I'm a big classic rock fan. I, I love, you know, all of those sixties and seventies bands, you know, from the super popular to the obscure. Uh, Well, yeah, exactly. Uh, pretty, you know, open-minded and, and all of that. I have a, an active dislike for the, <laughs> for the doors and Jim Morrison. Mm-hmm. And I can't even, and I, cause I thought about it because I knew we were going to have this episode coming up, but I, I can't even quite put my finger on it. So maybe we can, we're going to figure it out. We're, maybe we'll yeah. get to the root of that. Um, but um, that will happen in just a moment here on side B and hang with us as we flip it over. We'll see you in a minute. episode of retro groove thank you for flipping it over with us um this is the second part of our new segment um that we've titled expand my mind and um last week as we mentioned um i took the opportunity to um go front to back with the radiohead discography in an attempt to um expand Liam's mind a little bit because he was in the ballpark of not quite getting 
the hype, I guess you could say. <laughs> is that is that yeah, accurate? It, it never. Yeah, I mean, I think that you and I obviously there's different bands and and different types of music, and then our relationships with them. But Radiohead is not a band that um, fits that kind of easy pop tap your foot and you you get it and it's over and you move along Certainly and not. it's a great pop song <laughs> no no radiohead you need to have a connection with you need to work on you need to explore and um like i had said the last time i don't think that i ever honestly had someone who kind of walked me through it or explained to me the virtues and the, the the message and the craft of that band, I think I got on a few stops too late on that train. And then I was just kind of like, yeah, of course. Yeah. Radiohead. Sure. Yeah. That's <laughs> awesome. Good job. Uh, so let's talk about something else. Right. Um, and, <laughs> and, uh, and so I appreciate the opportunity last time um, walking through all this stuff definitely helped. And I, I now like I can feel my understanding and my appreciation and my desire to listen to the band growing. Nice. I mean, I never had a desire to go and listen to them. Um, and I now have selectively chosen to go back to the Benz and okay computer. So I like, I feel the seed is planted. Great. I feel it's, it's watered and it's growing. Um, and I appreciate it. Um, I feel like this one's probably going to be a little different. I think that that's going to be the nature of this segment yeah. as we do it here and there. <laughs> because we have different relationships with music as is the nature of it. Um, I would love to, I think there's a, there's a framework for a lot of this that probably is the same, which is starting with your first impression. Mm -hmm. I think that first impressions or your initial experiences, at least with a band or a sound or an album or a song are so impactful. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm going to share mine, but I would love to start by asking, do you have any recollection of how you were first exposed to who the doors are or, or what song it might've been or what your initial gut, um, is telling you about like when you first th heard or, of, or thought of the doors, you thought blank, any of those things that come to mind. Yeah, so um, it wasn't something that was played in my house when I was a kid. So it doesn't have okay. that same kind of impact that might have gotten, um, you know, hearing it in a in a safe environment like your home. It's like, oh, this is one of my parents' mm -hmm. albums or my parents put this on, that kind of thing. Uh, the first recollection right. that I have of hearing The Doors is driving with a friend of mine with his dad and his dad had it playing. And, okay. Um, I see, I seem to remember him saying, like? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> was he creepy? <laughs> he was an interesting guy. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't know, okay. uh, you know, if that played too much into it, but, um, he, he, I seem to remember him saying something like, Hey, don't listen to these lyrics or something like he, he, he oh, had wow. it playing, but he was like, um, he kind of discouraged us from, from paying too close attention to the words. Um, mm. so 
maybe that kind of got me off on the wrong foot. Like, Oh, should I actually be yeah. listening to this? And I seem to remember yeah. the yeah. wrap your legs around my neck. Yeah. Something that I probably yeah. shouldn't have been <laughs> listening to at, um, yeah. probably 10 or 11, I would say I was yeah. so, you know, old enough okay. to understand what that meant. But, um, so that, that's, I'm sure I probably heard a song or, or something on the radio prior to that, but that was my first, okay. I'm listening to the doors and I know who Jim Morrison is that that's the first I can remember, um, actively knowing that. And I didn't, you know, I didn't hate it, but I, I didn't really necessarily enjoy it either. Um, yeah. That, that's the earliest memory that I have. Okay. Um, I, it's interesting cause you and I then definitely heard the band at the same point in our lives or mm-hmm. just about, I think what you said is kind of spot on though. I, so I discovered them when I was nine. Um, and I had, gone from having just a radio to a radio that had a CD player so I, and a cassette player so I could record songs off the radio. And I had been doing that and I'd heard a song or two. Um, I think I'd heard Touch Me. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that song. I think that song's fantastic. Um, but I remember um, I had a new boombox radio and I didn't have CDs to play on it and I hadn't bought my weird owl CD yet. So I went and went into the closet on out, out, like next to our living room where my parents kept some of the random CDs that they had for whatever reason. And one of them was the doors. It was the first doors album. Um, and I remember taking like a, a collection, like a Rolling Stones magazine um, compilation and uh, the Doors album and an REM album or something like that, mm. and bringing them all up to my room, and because and that was what I was going to be listening to because that's the physical three CDs that I had at mm-hmm. that time. Um, and I remember putting it on, and I skipped around a little bit. Um, I definitely didn't listen to like the Crystal Ship or anything, but I remember like Light My Fire is so catchy, um, and Break On Through to the Other Side is bizarre but it's a catchy pop song too but i remember getting to the last song which is the end mm-hmm. and it was just it was mist it was mystifying to me and yeah. i didn't know anything about this band it wasn't something like my dad spoke highly of them as as i like emerged with this cd and i was like what is this um my dad my but my both my parents were fans and they they shared their fandom with me and it stuck so there's definitely that too um but there is this enigma to their music. There's this like, I don't know, etherealness that hit me as a kid of like, I don't, I've been hearing pop songs and mm-hmm. I've been hearing classic, classic rock. And this is kind of classic rock, but I don't know what this is. Um, I do have another question though, before we continue on. Yeah, definitely. And that is, cause I don't know, I don't know if we've delved into this at all, but where are you with, Steven Tyler and Mick Jagger and Roger Daltrey. Cause I, I know that you're a fan of a lot of classic rock bands, but I don't know if we've ever talked about the sort of 
alpha is esque although some of those I listed don't always fit the bill, but that like predominant front man, because that is going to be part of this conversation is the, the first time that you have this hyper-sexualized leading man that is just, he's not Paul McCartney. Right. He, you know, he's not the Everly brothers. He's not even Elvis. He's beyond Elvis. Right. Um, and so I'm wondering, like, do you have any feelings about when you see a front man like that? Um, is it something that puts you off? Are you indifferent or is it, is it, do you gravitate towards a, a strong front man? Like what, what's your, what's your take there? That's an interesting question. Cause I, I don't feel like I've ever really thought about that before. Obviously that was a huge mm. phenomenon, um, particularly in the seventies and into the eighties. But, yeah. um, I don't, cause there are some that I really like and some that do just kind of rub me the wrong way. Um, yeah. I, I'm typically, really put off by the kind of, uh, cocky, um, yeah. Uh, like kind of arrogant types, uh, mm -hmm. that, that just kind of, you know, that just kind of pisses me off <laughs> a little bit, but there are some I, where yeah, it, like, figuring, yeah. it, but it depends on the band. Like sometimes that completely Does it work works. for Jagger for you. Um, I'm not a yeah. huge Rolling Stones fan. Like I, I like their yeah. music and I appreciate their music, but I wouldn't consider myself a Mick Jagger fan. I just like the music. Um, what about some, Steven Tyler? It, you know, I'm, I'm not an Aerosmith fan. So that's another difficult one yeah. to, to kind of get into. I think we're finding a thread here. Um, <laughs> that's so, okay. We could be touching on something, but I mean, I guess. What about Iggy Pop? I love Iggy Pop and I love the Stooges. And um, yeah, I'm, so I'm trying to think of. That's interesting. So like, you know, who I really, really love is um, uh, the Hives. And he and. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, my God. Pele. Pele, yeah. He totally does the whole shtick. He, he does. Hyper arrogant. So. Yeah. But I, I feel like when when he does it and when the hives do it, it's so tongue in cheek. Like it's almost like, mm -hmm. and I could be completely wrong, but it at least feels like he's almost mocking that whole Mick Jagger front man swagger yeah. type thing. Um, he, he even yeah. kind of does some of the same sort of movements and, and same body language. Um, but um, I'm trying to think of other, I don't have a problem no, with I'll, uh, Robert with Plant. Freddie Mercury? I love Freddie yeah. Mercury. Who doesn't love Freddie Mercury? Um, David Bowie. David right? Bowie. Uh, um, but I, th yeah, I think... But so you, you, those guys are all... I feel like you, you go into... And it's the same thing as Pele with the Hives. It's just in a different direction. But it gives you an out, I guess is the best way to put it, of like Jim Morrison was full on heterosexual, mm -hmm. arrogant, like I'm going to spit in your face. Mm -hmm. Like he was arrested on stage multiple times yep. for indecent exposure yep. basically. Right. Yep. Um, which back then was not much back then. It was just telling a cop the wrong words backstage and he got yanked off stage oh, yeah. or he like pretend pretended to do a sex act maybe on Robbie Krieger on the, on the stage and he got thrown off the stage or and, even and just lyrics uh, and sued. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, you know, the, um, so we're talking about the 60s is, yeah. Right. 
And um, so I don't know but, if but Robert you, Plant is in that same kind of group, but um, yeah. I don't have a problem with Robert Plant. I think what he did with Led Zeppelin was fantastic. So I, yeah. I don't quite know exactly what it is um, because yeah. it's so let's, let's do a, let's do a little. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. I was just saying that's it. I, I, I can't put my finger on it because it yeah. doesn't seem, it doesn't seem super consistent like Scott Weiland. I love Scott Weiland and he was, Scott Weiland is Jim Morrison. He pretty much. Like, <laughs> so I don't know he what really it is. Was. So some of them yeah, just, yeah. just they, sure. they give off the douchebag vibe to me and yep, it yep, rubs me the it. wrong way. So, you know, Roger Daltrey doesn't doors, do it. Um, yeah. Robert Plant doesn't do it. Um, Scott Weiland doesn't do it, but I get, I get the douchebag vibe from Jim Morrison and I can't get away from but it. You don't get it from Joan Jett. <laughs> from who? You don't get it from Joan Jett. Joan no, Jett. of course not. <laughs> I mean, she is. Yeah. <laughs> what about Liam Gallagher, man? I mean, Liam Gallagher, probably oh. one of the most arrogant front men <laughs> since Jim Morrison. I mean, and I've, I see with them, Oasis. it's just silly. You know what I mean? I feel like, I feel like, and maybe it's because it's like, British arrogance. I don't know. It, it, when Oasis does their thing, it just comes across as silly to me. Um, yeah, I'm not sure why, but, um, but you know, I love the arrogance of like Johnny Rotten and the sex pistols. Like one of my favorite things is to go down the, the rabbit hole of, uh, television interviews with the sex pistols and just how, freaking rude and obnoxious and arrogant they were to the hosts. And yeah. I love it. I, yeah. so, I don't know what it is, man. I really, I, I can't put my finger that's, on it that's, because it doesn't seem to be consistent. Well, that's what we're trying to figure out. That's the whole point of this exercise. Um, so let's, let's do a little more gym talk and then I want to yeah. get into the band before we get go full circle. Um, Jim Morrison, you know, raised in a military household and was extraordinarily well-read, just like was reading highly elevated, like college beyond grad school mm-hmm. level poetry and philosophy at the age of 14 and 15. Um, that makes but sense. But also in a very controlled, controlled environment where, you know, you, you flat, fast, fast forward to when the doors are breaking, he gets a letter from his father, a military dad saying that he should, he, he's got a three deal sign, a, a three record deal signed with Electra. He's going on the Ed Sullivan show and he gets a letter from his dad saying like, you have no talent. You should give this up and come home. Oh my like, God. like it was, it was a, it was a really bad situation. But anyway, so the guy is incredibly smart in this tight situation and is idolizing Elvis. Right. And he goes to film school. He goes to art school, um, meets these other, other band members. Um, and what you see throughout the very short tenure, I mean, you go, the band is formed in 65. He dies, spoiler alert in 71. Um, and you see, the thread that happens throughout those six years is that he keeps wanting to stop performing and write poetry. Mm-hmm. And he does, he, he, he puts out a book, he puts out a book. 
Um, and then he's pulled back in. And, and in certain situations, he's pulled back in by the band members because they have this record deal and they're making a bunch of money. Right. And, and sometimes, honestly, I, to delve into it a little bit more, and this is me editorializing, I should say, he's pulled back in because he keeps finding this loneliness. Like there's a loneliness to being mm. uh, an academic and a poet. Right. And I think that rectifying his intelligence with the validation that he was looking for from his father and from his family, wow. he got that as a, as a performer. And so he would, he would disappear for months and go wander a city and write these elaborate poems. But then he would be drawn back into performance because that's where he gets his actual validation. He got right. off from getting that exposure. Um, so there's a lot going on there. He, uh, Watching him, watching them perform um, on the Ed Sullivan show, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but no. we've talked about the, the Beatles and the Everly Brothers and, and you, you know what was happening on the Ed Sullivan show at that time. And it was, it, things were progressing. You can see, I mean, you had the Stones already as a presence. You had Jimi Hendrix and Janis Joplin starting to break. Um, so it wasn't just the doors doing this, but he gets out there and he's got this like snarly growl to him. Um, mm -hmm. and Ed Sullivan tells him they play, they perform light my fire and there's a, a lyric in it. Uh, we couldn't get much higher. And Ed tells them, you, you, you can't say that it's a drug reference. You're not allowed to say that on TV. It's 1967. Mm -hmm. Um, and they do it anyway. He goes out there and he does it anyway. And that is, that is punk rock. That is like, I yeah. don't care the fact that I'm about to get the biggest national exposure that a band can get. Um, and the, the, the kingmaker himself is putting me on his show and has given me, you have to change one word and you absolutely refuse to do it. Yeah. Which I super um, respect. Like I, I love that. I do. Yeah. It's yeah, it's, it's tough. Um, and then again, so you see him age by 20 years over the course of five years and such a tortured person who ultimately dies in the 20 and as part of the 27 yeah. club, he, he foresaw it. He, he talked about it. He was like, after Jimmy and Janice died, he did an interview and he's like, I'll be the third one. He's like, he knew it was going to happen. Um, he didn't kill himself, but right. he, he basically did close enough. Yeah. Um, he also just, he had no publicist. He had no, like, there wasn't a Jim Morrison manager. They had a band manager, but it wasn't like the persona, how Gwen Stefani had her own person that was handling Gwen Stefani when there was still no doubt. Mm -hmm. um, so, so all of the, the actions, the attire, the, the, the behavior, the, the way that he would interact with people in interviews and, and such was totally off the cuff. It was just him. And there is something, and again, this wasn't something that I understood when I was nine or 10 years old hearing right. this music, but like, as I heard this stuff, um, getting older and learning more and more about it, like that did appeal to me to say like, this guy was just doing his thing. And there's a bunch of awful reasons why he wound up this way, but like so genuinely himself, like it was not a persona. And mm -hmm. I will say that the opposite of that might be why you 
like Iggy Pop or like Scott Weiland or like Howlin' Pele, like, because you can say to yourself, there's a persona and then there's this, and I can rectify the two. So when they behave in a certain way, I can say, nah, that's the persona. And when they behave in a certain way that I like, you can be like, that's the real person. And I think with Jim Morrison, you kind of have to, you I think you have to take the good and the bad. I think Jim Morrison was just always him. That's who he and was. If you don't, if you don't like people who just did a lot of LSD, like <laughs> you're probably not, you're probably not into it. And I don't, I haven't, I have very little drug experience. It's not my scene. Um, and so I, I also wonder, um, like if you hear this music and it's in the context, kind of like I talked about how Radiohead was very gatekeepy with like some highbrow, like people hearing things in it that I, it's like, I can't taste the wine. Mm -hmm. Like if you, if you, if your exposure to the doors is with a crowd or in a context of drug abuse or drug use or whatever it is, then it can be off-putting if that's not your scene. And I had a friend who was very into the doors and like very into the doors Mm -hmm. and also was into drugs and, um, it wasn't it, like it did put me off of it a little bit. Like you do get that associative thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that makes a lot of sense. I can, so, I can see, you know, why that particular uh, connection was not something that I, um, I, I can see why that, sort of connection was something that didn't I didn't get at a younger age mm-hmm. <clears throat> and yeah. if yeah because I'm trying to think now if there's any other kind of quote-unquote you know because dr- I you know and you know what I never really understood the Grateful Dead either like I can appreciate them sure. for what they do and and or, or what they've done and the, I put them in the same the input, yeah, impact the, that they the had, drug but kind of, yeah. And I've even heard people yeah. say like, it's all fish to me. <laughs> yeah. And, and I've literally heard people say, I did not understand the Grateful Dead until I went to a show and took LSD. Like, so, <laughs> and so, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, maybe pass, the doors right? like, you have okay. to be, be in a certain then. specific state of mind that, that could very well be the case. Um, yeah. And and yeah, you 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 probably hit pretty pretty well on the mark um when you psychoanalyzed me a little bit <laughs> which I'm totally fine with. Um yeah. The persona is uh it's a very real thing that um you know, some some people have to do that in order to perform. And some people can Mm -hmm. can just be, um, you know, completely and and unabashedly themselves. And so I think I think there is definitely something to that. And um, it gives me a a lot to think about as well in terms of, you know, why I gravitate towards certain, um, you know, lead musicians or lead lead singers or front men um, right. or front women. Right. So it's totally different with women, man. I feel like <laughs> it's so different. Like it, yeah. I, I can't, yeah. it, it, it just doesn't, there doesn't seem to be that like 
I'm I'm the cocky, arrogant, you know, uh, sex symbol. Yeah, but Janis Joplin, Patty, Janis Joplin, Patty Smith, Joan Jett. I mean, it was it. It's not that far removed. I'm just yeah. It's it's not that far removed. It feels so. It um, feels so authentic though. For the I don't know. Yeah. I think you're cheering for them a little bit more. You're like, oh, an arrogant guy. Yeah, I know 50 of those. But like a woman who's up on stage and woman, taking control yeah. of a situation. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it also depends on like your your mom. Like we're not going to get that deep into <laughs> psychoanalysis. But there's also probably like strong women in your family. Like how like, much are you charging me per hour here, um, Liam? <laughs> <laughs> no, this um, is great. Let's go. Let's go real quick. Let's go real quick over to the, the band uh, a bit more. So, um, Ray Manzarek, like one of the most, if uh, you can, you can say he was incredibly talented, um, but also just inspired in his use of the, the organ, Mm -hmm. the Vox Continental, the Rhodes. Um, I mean, this is a band that, and again, we're getting into things that I, I did not know or understand as a 10 year old, but there were aspects of this that do sink into you. This band didn't have a bass player. This band had a key player who with one hand was playing everything that you're hearing as the organ and key parts. Mm -hmm. Um, and then with the other hand had a piano bass stacked on top of his keyboard that he was playing all the bass lines with. Mm. And there is something, I mean, it's incredibly dynamic, but also like nobody was really doing that at that point. Um, and, and then you had Robbie Krieger who fantastic guitar player was trained as a classical and flamenco, like nylon string guitarist and picks up an electric guitar, never uses a guitar pick. So everything that you ever hear on the Doors albums, it's all finger picked. It's all just, it's all him. And then a jazz influenced drummer. Yeah. Um, You can hear that. You can see it. If you, Queen is such an interesting comparison for this band and you could, and Nirvana is too, but I'm going to harp on Queen a little bit more, especially because I don't know. Did you see the Bohemian Rhapsody biopic like the 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 movie i actually didn't I'm, and i am a big queen fan yeah. um uh for whatever reason i have not seen it yet yeah definitely worth watching um and you see and again things are editorialized in that just like they are in the doors where val kilmer's jim morrison like it's there's truths and truths and falses but um there's uh, a, a a dynamic with the band mm-hmm. um and they start off with Jim in tandem and they Jim does not even though he is the poet um he does not take writing credits for anything with the band until like the fourth album then you really start to see it split off a little bit um and you watch the splinter where there you have the band and then you have the front man mm. um, and they have divergent opinions and they're they're also having very different experiences. It's, it's one thing to be right. Freddie Mercury and it's another thing to be queen. Um, and, and so you have this band that um, starts off cohesive and they're seeing, you know, they're the house band at the whiskey, a go, go, they, they get discovered almost immediately, get that three album deal. They're on TV within a year and a half of, of the band forming. Man. 
Um, and, and these three guys, the other three band members were also using acid or taking acid, but by the second album, they had basically dropped that and were like doing meditation, you know, like they, they switched off of that and Jim kind of kept going. Mm. Um, and you see the fracturing as you get, uh, a little bit later on into, into like their discography, um, but the interesting thing, and, I, and this is one thing that I don't know if, if you're familiar with at all, but, um, if I, I mean, do you, what songs of the, the doors, if I say name two or three doors songs, what are the ones that, that come to mind? Can you, can you think of any off the top of your head? Well, yeah. I mean, there's obviously you have the hits like light my fire and break on through, mm-hmm. um, uh, have a vivid memory of, um, a high school band at the high school that I went to playing break on through and enjoying Mm -hmm. their rendition of it. Um, I actually, and and if, if, if I had to pick a door song that I do actually enjoy and could listen to the whole thing and enjoy it, it's actually riders on the storm. Um, and Oh my God. Yeah. And, and it's kind of maybe a little bit of a departure for them. It's, it doesn't quite sound like the quintessential doors song, Um, but, uh, those are the ones that come to my mind right off the top of my head. I should say, I should say writers on the storm to me is one of my favorite Doors songs, but it also is disappointing in the sense that it's, it's on the last album right before he died. We know that Jim had reached out to Robbie Krieger right before he died to say that he wanted, he was writing and he wanted to do another album and listening to writers on the storm as, as a fan in recent years, again, is you feel like what could the next thing have been? Mm. If writers on the storm was that next stone, then there could have been something even greater or it could have been trash. You know, he was a mess. He was, he was drinking. He kind of stopped his drug use a bit and he just, was a complete raging alcoholic. Yeah. Like he was killing himself. Yeah. Um, so it could have been, it could have been awful, but there is that thing to writers on the storm where you have this new elevation of this, this creative process of this band. And you're like, man, imagine what could have been next for them. Yeah. Um, wow. I didn't, interesting thing. Yeah. The really interesting thing with them is so, Everybody thinks of Jim Morrison, rightfully so. That's the story of The Doors. But Robbie Krieger, the guitar player, is actually the one who's writing the hits. Like, Touch Me, Light My Fire, Love Me Two Times, Love Her Madly. Like, these songs that all exploded Mm -hmm. were Robbie hits. And when you go back and listen to it... um, you can almost start, cause again, they don't really split out writing credits much. And it's only after the fact that you started to find out which songs he wrote and which songs Jim wrote. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you go back and listen to their catalog, you can kind of start to pick out the songs that were pretty radio friendly, talking about love, right. talking about engaging with someone. And then there was these songs about the crystal ship and I'm the captain. Like <laughs> you, you can tell, right. Like, you can tell like where you, it's it, the lines get, get drawn pretty sure. clearly as you look at it. Um, there was a, just as a, as a fun note that like I, in my kind of refresher on this, 
Um, I had one of those moments where I can't unhear something now. Yeah. Um, so do you, do you know the song? Hello, I love you. Won't you tell me your right. name? Does that sound? Yeah. Um, there was a lawsuit before either of us were born when that came out. Um, because that song is basically the kinks all day and all night. Oh, like, wow. If you, it's the exact same song and there's, there's like an interesting, it's, it's not worth going into the whole thing here, but it's definitely worth looking up at some point. Um, but you get into a very early situation of that kind of maybe plagiarism. Like it, the song was released in 68, but written in 65, but the kinks song had come out the year before. So it was definitely, it was definitely ripped off and, Man. and Robbie, Robbie Krieger would never admit to it. Apparently Jim Morrison told Ray Davies that like in person, he was like, yeah, sorry that that happened. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but a complete, complete, absolute mess. Um, wow. I can't believe I never made that connection, but yeah, there's, you, I'm you'll never just not hearing hear it. it in my yeah. head and it's uncanny. Wow. Yeah. 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 You'll never not hear it. Um, so yeah, so, I mean, I, I think, I think that the main thing then for me is you look at some of, um, the impacts that we've already talked about. Mm-hmm. You, you look at the, your, your Kurt Cobain's, um, you look at the cure, I mean, Iggy pop. So after Jim dies, Iggy pop was inspired to be a performer and be the kind of performer he was. Cause he saw the doors live, mm. you know, like Nick cave's first band, is their album was called door door. It was in tribute to the doors. Oh, wow. Um, you know, uh, there, there, there would have been, there were, there was Mick Jagger already, you know, it's not to say that there were no other front men, but there, there's nobody who broke down the, the doors, uh, so to speak, hmm. um, as, uh, as well and as quickly and as fiercely as that band did, um, and I think that it just gave everyone that we've talked about since in in their own formula of persona and what is actually them. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody was then kind of because he was so 100 percent himself. Um, I think everybody who has been a front person or a band leader or a persona of a band has had that flexibility where they could. They could be Elvis or they could be Jim Morrison right. or you can be something in, in something in between that. Um, and I'll say that if you go and listen to the catalog, you can hear he has a transition later on. Um, they go back to their blues roots, which is the last thing that I kind of want to point out for you, knowing how much you you like classic rock, but you also like blues centered rock. Yeah. I mean, they on their last album, they do crawling King snake like, and it's, Oh man. Awesome. Like it's so good. Like if you go, just go listen to the LA woman album. Um, there's, I'd say half of it is a, is a blues album. Um, but he goes from his Elvis worship early on in his career, the first two or three albums. And then he falls in love with Sinatra and he becomes this, he wants to embody this kind of poetic crooner mm-hmm. um, and and takes on a little of that persona. And the band follows suit, but they never lose their blues roots. Mm-hmm. And so you start to get this like this like sexy Sinatra 
fronting a blues band and it's with, with creepy circus organ sometimes <laughs> in the background. Right. Uh, it's such a weird amalgam. Um, but I, I, you know, I'll throw it in the playlist and go through some of this stuff, but it, it's, I would say go as opposed to what we decided with, with me, where it's like the entry point really should be, you know, right after the bends for me and don't go ahead to kid a or amnesiac or right. even in rainbows. Right. I think for you go to LA woman, like that's the last thing that they did. It was a comeback album for them. I think it's got all the the blues familiarity for you. And his arrogance has changed from this, this bravado of trying to instigate um, and to get into, into fights with police mm-hmm. and to push boundaries. And he had become the crooning poet that he wanted to be while still having the arrogance. It's, it's in there. Yeah. Like you're not getting rid of that. Um, start with LA woman. And then, and then if anything, I, I would say maybe go backwards. Cause like Morrison hotel, um, has roadhouse blues, which is like, that's a fantastic mm-hmm. single. And it is a, it is a blues song. And um, with a lot so of yeah, groups, whether modern or classic, um, working my way backwards, if I've not experienced their discography chronologically, just naturally, that yeah. actually tends to work really well for me. Um, not yeah. sure why, but um, yeah. I've I've been able to get into certain groups by using that method in the past. So. If, if it's going to happen, I'm going to have yeah. to agree with Give you. That's go. that's going to have to be um, the way to do it. And um, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad you mentioned, you know, kind of Riders on the Storm being potentially um, kind of a, a, it's on that a whisper of yeah. things that could have uh, come later. Yeah. Um, because that, that is, it really felt that like is it. the one like up to this point, that's the one it's okay. That's the, that's the door song that I actually could enjoy listening to. Um, and just, you know, forget for a second that it's the doors and just enjoy it for what it is. Um, yeah. All right. That, um, I, I've got a lot to chew on. I kind of felt like I had set you <laughs> up to have a, a, a little bit of a more a more difficult, uh, task, uh, than I had because, you know, I felt like with Radiohead, you, you kind of could, could see and appreciate what they did and, um, maybe even Mm -hmm. enjoy portions of it. Um, but just kind of weren't a fan and didn't get some of it or some albums. And I, I, for whatever reason had just kind of an active dislike (laughs) for, I think it was in part um, my dislike for the the you know the arrogant bravado of Jim Morrison the, yeah. the the you know reports of him being kind of an asshole because he was he was an alcoholic definitely an asshole um, yeah. but you know it he's a, he's a, he was a human being and he was a complex person and there was yeah um, you know. He, he wasn't a one dimensional person. So I have yeah. to, you know, I, I have to give him the benefit of the doubt there. And, and also the fact that I, I honestly, like I thought most of their stuff was, was, um, 
you know, early to mid seventies. So I was way yeah. off on 66. my, yeah. yeah. So I was actually off on my perception of, you know, what kind of environment that this band, um, came out yeah. of and, um, the who was opening for them. That's crazy. Who opened for the doors? Yeah, it's insane. That's crazy to think about. See, so and so, I think um, a lot of it also was just my ignorance um, on a lot of these um, these parts of the we band. So you, neither of us were alive. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and I think yeah. also just simply because like there was a lot of music in my house growing up, and the mm-hmm. doors was not part of that at all. Yeah. So I think yeah, that it's played a huge it's 100% role. Exposure in my, you know, not necessarily my, my dislike, but my complete, um, ignorance on, on, you know, most aspects of who they were. Um, cause there was yeah. no internet back then. You know what I mean? If, if, yeah. if my daughter started to get interested in the doors, you know, she, she would hop on Google and, and, she can read a Wikipedia article and learn everything about them. You know what I mean? We didn't really have that. Um, at least nothing to that extent. And and who knows if they're giving you accurate information. So, um, um, I, I don't know what your relationship is with Pearl Jam. I don't think we've talked about them too much. Um, but, uh, I think I'll, I'll leave the conversation with this, that, as I thought of front men, mm-hmm. um, leading men of a band, and you think of the authenticity as it balances with a persona, I don't think that, I, I feel like Kurt Cobain is probably up there too. I don't think that there was much of a persona with Kurt. I think you were getting what you got. But, um, and Eddie Vedder, mm-hmm. he was the one who filled in, he filled in for, uh, Jim Morrison at the rock and roll hall of fame induction. He sang with the other three band members when they were inducted. Oh, wow. Um, but, but, um, I don't think, I don't think there's a, a better fitting, um, person alive, I should say that, um, that does embody that genuineness of character as opposed to persona. The main difference between Eddie Vedder and Jim Morrison is the, the type of arrogance or just arrogance Mm. in general. I mean, like Eddie Vedder is very unassuming and, and very calculated and controlled. Um, whereas, you know, Jim Morrison was just looking to rip the world out of control. Yeah. (laughs) Which, and honestly, you know, there, there's some, there's something to like about that. You know what I mean? We, I think we all, I mean, Eddie Vedder wasn't in, born during the, he wasn't living during the Vietnam war. Right. Like it's, it's there. You have to think about that too. Like all of this is happening because you, you have the Kennedy assassination and then Vietnam and it's, yeah, it was, it was insane. Like yeah, it, it was a crazy time. I, I am not bummed that I missed it. Yeah. I, yeah. Didn't, didn't need that. No, definitely not. We're think. Things are yeah. tough enough as they are now. It, it's kind of hard. Yeah, we don't it's hard that. in hindsight to say, you know, things were more or less, you know, difficult or or uh, chaotic than they were then. But um, right. it certainly wasn't uh, the best of times. That's for sure. Um, but man, we got a right. lot of really freaking great music <laughs> out of it. Yeah, that's true. Um, so yeah, you okay? So 
I, I've got uh, I've got some homework to do, and yeah. I definitely feel like you, you think. have opened up. You have expanded my mind for sure, and I've I cool. am open to digging through even songs that I previously would have told you that yeah I don't like that song, and kind of listening to them from a different perspective. And, um, you know, seeing if it grabs me, seeing how it, uh, yeah. how, with, with new information and with a different perspective, if it takes me somewhere different than it used to. Yeah. Listen, listen to LA woman, but skip, I think it's like the sixth or seventh song. It's called Lamerica. Yeah. You don't need that song, but everything <laughs> else on there is awesome. Yeah. I mean, you got one song to skip. There's not so. a whole lot of albums that don't have at least one song that you're like, yeah, I could do one without song, yeah. I can skip that one. Yeah, You don't need that one. America's <laughs> yeah. weird. Even the you best can, that's groups a, it's on a the real planet. Speed <laughs> a speed, a yeah. speed bump is yeah. a really good way to put it. You just, yeah, we, we skip yeah. that one. <laughs> we, we pretend yeah. that yeah. one doesn't exist. All right, yeah. Liam. Thank you, man. Um, very educational, um, still probably have some deep reflection to do trying to figure out, okay, what, (laughs) what is my deal with certain front men versus, you know, others that maybe even seem to be very similar in their behaviors and attitudes and personalities. Um, but that's, Mm -hmm. that might be for another time or, or, or a discussion, you know, uh, off the air. Oh yeah. Um, but man, uh, seriously, I am, I'm ready to, uh, go digging for a copy of LA woman and add it to my collection, even if just for, you know, the purpose of getting that, you know, experience, uh, on vinyl rather than, you know, just pulling it up on yeah. my phone or something. Yeah, for sure. All right. Thank you, Liam. And thanks for listening to Retro Groove. We are part of the Retrologic Network. Check out the website, retrologic.games, for social links, merch, community, and more. And we will see you next time on episode 10 of Retro Groove. Mr. Mojo Rising. <laughs> <laughs> Leave that in.